Okay. Well, thank you, Jim, and you all praying for me. And uh, we trust that the Lord will work out. This Tuesday, I have a whole body scan. The doctor is sure that there is the cancer is not spread it anywhere, but it's just a routine. They want to check before that. So uh, we start all the procedure now and trust the Lord that everything will work out. But it's been a blessing. I'll, I'll let you know, Violet and I have really been blessed to be part of this uh, this fellowship. This uh, September, we finished three years uh, with the class, but feel like we have been all over life with you because the way you have taken taken us in and you have allowed us and and shared with us, and it's been just a, just a joy. Um, and the leadership, Ryan's leadership, and before him, Jeremy, Jerry, and before him, Doug, and we have all enjoyed that and been blessed. David, John, and Rod taking care of all the technical aspect, and Ryan, Ryan keeping us informed with the missionaries, and of course, Wayne's teaching. Uh, I told Wayne once, one time when uh, he was going to be uh, uh, not be there next Sunday. I said, we'll miss you next Sunday because whenever I get the opportunity, I have a mixed feeling. I enjoy the opportunities and appreciate it, but we miss Wayne's, Wayne's teaching. It's, it's, we are really, really blessed. And I sit here, we, Violet and I, we sit here and every time it's, over, we look at each other and say, wow, that was good. And we all enjoy that. And so this, this class has been such a blessing, such a blessing. And thank you for taking us in. And we'll, we'll let you know that every evening, Violet and I pray, we pray for you all. Uh, we pray for some of you by names and pray for the class, pray for Wayne, pray for Pastor Chuck, and it's been a blessing to be part of this thing and appreciate this time that we can have together. Theologians talk about the attributes of God, and they divide into two major divisions. There are some attributes of God that are incommunicable and some that are communicable attributes. Incommunicable attributes are the kind of attributes that only God can have. No one else can have those attributes. Those attributes are the ones that make him who he is, make him God, like omniscience, omnipotence means almighty, omnipresence means everywhere, he is present everywhere, or infinite, or eternal, or transcendent. Transcendent means beyond our reach. So these are incommunicable attributes. But then there are communicable attributes. Love, holiness, righteousness, kindness, faithfulness, and so on. We cannot have the incommunicable attributes, but we can have the communicable attributes. And the difference between the two is the incommunicable attributes are the what God does for us. He's omnipotent, almighty, so he takes care of us. He's omnipresent everywhere, so he's with us all the time. Omniscient because he knows us. 
is eternal and in his image we have been made given eternal life and so on communicable attributes are our response to god god is holy and not only god is holy but he expects us to be holy god is righteous he expects us to be righteous god is love he expects us to be loving god is kind he expects us to be kind and so the incommunicable attributes is what god does for us and communicable attributes is what we respond to what god does for us psalm 139 david takes up three incommunicable attributes of god and applies to himself and in a response he makes one decision and one prayer uh, i hope we i mentioned last sunday that we will be studying psalm 139 and so hopefully some of you have had time to read that study that carefully look into that and so some of the things i will be saying this morning hopefully are not new and much of the time what the teacher tells teaches is not new and uh, uh, we, if we have studied the bible we should know much of the things that are being taught uh, but the, the things that teacher is doing is he just reminds us what we already know and uh, emphasizes that and puts a in a way that we can understand even more and better and so if you have looked up this psalm it has these are some observations that anybody can make and i hope you did there are 24 verses and there are four quarters means each quarter makes six six verses so there are four six verse quarters and each quarter has one major point in first three quarters verses 1 to 6 7 to 12 and 13 to 18 david takes up three attributes of god god is omniscient god is omnipresent he is present everywhere god is omnipotent or god is the creator god and then in, in the fourth quarter last uh, six verses that is his response that uh, it, since god is this what should my response and so the topic or the title of the, the lesson is god's attributes for my blessing and my decision for his pleasing god's attributes for my blessing and my decision for his pleasing so we will take those three quarters one after another and then take the fourth and see how that applies to us the first one 1 to 6 god is omniscient god knows everything but did you notice that he does not say that god is omniscient instead he says god knows me he makes the application of god's attribute to his own life god is omniscient so what does it mean what do i have to do with that what what, what impact does that to make make 
uh, to my life, on my life. And so he describes God's omniscience in relation to his own life. And this is beautiful, beautiful psalm. All the book, all the psalms on the book of Psalms are individual and, and beautiful. And, and I say like, like a, a fruit, golden fruit in a silver basket. You take up any psalm and you study any psalm and it has a, a unique way of presenting the, the, what God has done for us and, and what we, beginning from Psalm 1 onward, what, it, what should be our response. And so David takes each of the attributes and, and God is omniscient. So what does it mean to me? And so he says, you have searched me, O Lord, and you know me. And then he describes how and what God knows about him. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. So you know my thoughts from afar. You know my going out and all my ways. You know my works. You know my actions. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it all. You know my words. So you know my thoughts, you know my actions, you know my words, you know my innermost being. It's been said about Jesus, John 2.25, that no one needed to tell him what is in the heart of man because he knew it. Even before people spoke or when they murmured amongst themselves, Jesus knew that. And so David said, you hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. This is a praise psalm. The whole psalm is a prayer. But there is only one prayer request at the end of the psalm. The rest of the psalm, he is praising God, praising God for his attributes praising God for who he is and how that impacts his own life. We all like privacy. Privacy is the utmost treasured projections in the Western society. And (laughs) we don't want anyone to know what we are doing. We don't want anyone to know what we are thinking and we try to hide most everything. Adam tried to hide. Cain tried to hide. Saul tried to hide. David tried to hide. And we try to hide. <laughs> uh, I have been in court situations so often. Whenever there is a Gujarati person is involved in a court case, and does not know English enough, then sometimes I'm called to interpret. And since 1995, 25 years, counting 10 times a year average, I've been to court 200 plus times. Any kind of court, immigration, criminal, civil, family, fraud, and every situation. You know what the, what the, 
the issue or what the job of the court is. The job of the court is not to make the final judgment. The job of the court is to find what is the truth. And that's the question that Pilate asked and did not have time to get the answer as the truth was standing right before him. Everybody is trying to hide what they have done. If everybody is telling the truth, we would not need courts because court's job is to find the truth. And once they find the truth, then they can give the judgment. We all try to hide. We all try to hide so that we don't have to pay the consequences. And Western society has excelled uh, in that. When you go into our remotest parts in a remote village, uh, I was reading a book uh, at the foot of the snows uh, written by weekly Bible translators, David Waters. David and his brother John were weekly Bible translators. I knew them when we were uh, studying at UTA Linguistics. They lived, uh, David and his wife lived in uh, Nepal in a remote village. They were cooking outside because their house was small and they were uh, fire wood and then cook. And people from whole village would round around, crowd around them to see what they were cooking. Our, our town crier would climb up on a tree and invite everybody. And there was no time when they, they were not, not people peeking through their windows in their home. No sense of privacy. But whether we live in a remote mountain village in Nepal or in one of the major cities of most civilized nations on the earth, there is another eye that constantly follows us no matter where we are and invades our privacy. And there is no way to get away from it. Every act I do, every word I speak, every thought I think is in front of him. We think ourselves sinless I have not committed murder or adultery or I am not lying or cheating. But how about enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envy? These are all listed as the fruit of the flesh. You see, God not only knows our actions and words, but thoughts or unforgiving attitude, bitterness. Would I stand before God with my heart filled with poison of bitterness? Everything is right before his eye. And right in front of that camera, nothing can be hidden. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight.
everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Or Job said, his eyes are on the ways of man, he sees there every step, there is no dark place, no deep shadow where evildoers can hide. And the Lord says, my eyes are on all their ways, they are not hidden from me, nor is their sin concealed from my eyes. This wide angle lens is pointed at, at you and me watching our every activity, hearing our every word and probing and discerning our every thought, whether you are in bedroom or bathroom, whether you are in office cubicle or having lunch with opposite sex uh, by yourself, or you are driving or, or, or wherever you are or whatever you are doing, his eye is watching. Does that bother you? Would that bother you? Well, it depends. <laughs> we have so much security after 9-11, especially at the airports. Would it bother you? If you are trying to sneak in something, it would. But if you don't have anything to hide, <laughs> it actually comforts you that, okay, good, they are checking everything, so we should be safe. So if it bothers you or does not bother, it depends on how we live. For David, this is comforting. He's praising the Lord for that. This is good, Lord, that you know me. And so the first principle for us from this first section, God, my life is open book to you. I have nothing to hide. And you know, there is no greater joy and blessing than to be able to say to the Lord, my life is open book to you. I have nothing to hide. Like Paul at the end of his life, near the end of his life says, I run the race, kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness. I have lived a righteous life and I don't see anything don't remember anything that I've done that is against your will. To be able to say that in front to the Lord is the greatest blessing of any believer's life. God, my life is open book to you. I have nothing to hide. Then he takes up the second attribute of God. God is omnipresent. God is everywhere. But again, he does not say like theologian, God is everywhere. But what does he say? God is with me. God is with me. You cannot run away from him. Jonah tried to run away. There is no place we can go where he is not present. We cannot hide from it. Even darkness, he says. Sorry, you can't take your call right now, but please 
if i say surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me even the darkness will not be dark to you the night will shine like the day he says where can i hide from your spirit where can i flee from your presence if i go to the heavens that means highest place or to the, make my bed in the depths in sheol that is the lowest place you are there if i rise on the wings of the dawn that means farthest corner of east and if i settle on the far side of the sea farthest corner of the west from north to south from farthest east to farthest west even there your hand will guide me and your right hand will hold me fast immanuel god with us the word became flesh and dwelt with us and jesus's last words were lo i am with you always well those were not actually his last words his last words are in first uh, chapter of book of acts verses 6 and 7 he says wait in jerusalem until the power from above you receive and then you would be my witness is from jerusalem to the end of the earth and what did they receive the holy spirit promised by christ in john 14:15 and so you see here what he says where can i go from your spirit you can see the hint of the new testament right there that god is with us through his spirit god in the old testament was with his people with his people god in the new testament is in his uh, people we are the temple of god and wherever we go we are carrying god with us he is with us how does that help us see one of the hardest thing a punishment anyone can receive is solitary confinement that's the hardest punishment given to the hardcore criminals solitary confinement loneliness loneliness one of our friend who had lost his wife told me emmanuel you do not understand what loneliness is until you are left alone some of us recently have lost loved ones many of us have uh, many of us in our group have lost loved ones living alone and that loneliness is the hardest things to endure what david say is saying here is there is no moment where i am alone he is with me every moment of my life god is and another thing is fear of darkness or fear of evil forces against us i i have growing up as a child i was very much afraid of darkness i i i grew up in a small village uh, in 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 india we lived in a one room house 20 by 20 or 25 by 20 one room house mud wall thatched roof and no electricity no no water we had a lantern one lantern at night that we would sit around 
and I and my brother had to go to the river several times during the day to fetch water. And imagine sitting around the lantern one evening and, and my dad tells Emmanuel, go get something from the backyard. And I would be scared to death. But if my dad says, Emmanuel, let us go and get this thing from the backyard, how much difference that would make. You go and get and scared to darkness and let us go and get this. I've been through some fearful situations. One time, one evening, I was doing my homework around the light of the lantern and there was a snake in the house. I climbed up on the bed and screamed so high. My parents had gone to visit the next door neighbor. They heard there the scream there and they and the neighbor rushed back. The neighbor was a policeman, so he was able to find the snake and kill. One time I was walking to the farm, 10, 12 year old boy, and a snake fell from the sky. <laughs> a bird must have caught up a snake and, and couldn't hold on to it. And you can imagine, I can, no sprinter can run faster than, than I did. Fearful situation. 3,000 years ago, David lived in a situation that was far worse than that. And David must have gone through so much situation. And some of the Psalms, he describes that. Surrounded by enemies, surrounded by wild animals. He, he tells Saul that he had to fight uh, bears and lions. And of course, he fought Goliath. And to Goliath, he says that I come with the power of my Lord. You come with uh, a spear and javelin, but I come with the power. He was not afraid because even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I would fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. David constantly felt the presence of the Lord with him and was able to live fearless life. He was not afraid because he knew that God is with him. Fear of loneliness or fear of evil forces, no matter where we are, God is with us and is taking care of us. And so the principle number two, God is with me. I do not have to be afraid of anything. I, God is with me. I do not have to be afraid of anything. Now the third one, God is omnipotent. God is all powerful. God is the creator of the universe. But he doesn't say that. <laughs> he says, God, you created me. God, you created me. Verses 13 to 18. Beautiful description of how the fetus is formed in the mother's womb. You will not find anywhere else. Job chapter 10, you can read also there. We are not going there. But Job of chapter 10, Job describes similar situation 
and David describes here. These are the two places in the whole Bible where, where it's described how, how, how fetus is formed in the mother's womb and how God is the one who is taking care of that, uh, is doing that. He says, I praise you. Remember, this is a prayer, but it's a praise prayer, not a request prayer, although there is a request at the end. But the whole psalm is a praise prayer. I praise you because I'm fearfully, wonderfully made. What he is thinking about is that I am beautiful because you made me beautiful. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I am your work and I am wonderful. You have made me wonderful. I know that full well. And he described, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret places, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Three things about that. One, Sanctity of life. Of course, each one of us believe that. Sanctity of life in the mother's womb. He's talking about here. We, we have three-year-old uh, grandson. We have eight grandchildren. Uh, the oldest one completed uh, 18 just uh, this Friday. Three-year-old is the youngest one. Uh, when he was two, he would... Uh, follow his dad everywhere dad went uh, in the house and if whatever dad was doing he would say i do it i do it now he's three years so he has become smarter when dad tells him to do something he says you do it <laughs> one time they were visiting us and he felt dad was a little harsh so he was complaining dad is too mean to me uh, he was playing with a small pickup truck. And one point he decided to pick up few scraps of paper he found on the floor. I was following him and he went to the bathroom and emptied the uh, pickup truck in, in the trash. I said, thank you, Asher. And he responded, you're welcome. I thought, wow, three-year-old knows his manners. <laughs> now go back to nine month old, nine month old, not nine month old after the birth, but nine month old in the birth, just to be ready to get birth. I don't know why whoever started celebrating birthdays did not start the birthday from the day of conception. Because when we are born, we are already nine month old. Sorry to make you a little older today. When we are born, we are already nine months old. See these nine month old two babies fight. You know them, you know their names, twin, Jacob and Esau. They already started jealousy. They already started competition. They already started leg pulling. Three or nine month old in the womb. But don't stop there. Go back to further down to six month old. When uh, John the Baptist, what happens? He when when Mary comes to visit Elizabeth, Elizabeth tells that when 
the mother of the Lord, my Lord, came and the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Can you imagine six month old baby realizing he's not God? John the Baptist. And yet he has that joy of feeling and knowledge. He realizes that. And don't stop there. How old, how many days that Mary has conceived Jesus? If you read John chapter 1, uh, Luke chapter 1, verses 38 is where uh, ends the messenger, Gabriel's message to Mary in verse 39. Then right away, soon after that, Mary left to visit Elizabeth. So there are only a few days. So Jesus is only three or four days after conception. But Elizabeth recognizes his present in the mother's womb. You see, the baby is already existed as a person. John the Baptist, six months old in the womb, realized that. Elizabeth realized that. And so the, the life begins at the point of conception. Beautifully, beautifully described by by, by David here, he says, all the days of my life were written in your book, even before there was one. So that's the one thing, sanctity of life in mother's womb. Second thing he's talking about here is value of human life. Wish anyone who is going through the thoughts of suicide would read these words. These words would stop anyone to become depressed. God is put so much value on human life. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am beautiful. I am wonderful. I am so precious in your eyes. Psalm 8 uh, is, is similar. Uh, Psalm 8, he said, says, when I see the stars and when I see the firmament, then, then, I, then I think that who, 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 who am I that you would even think of me or you would consider about it. But you have created him little lower than Elohim. Some translations would translate angels, but Elohim means God. Human being is lower only to God and over and above everything else. He said, you have created him only lower than God. You have placed the whole creation under his feet. And then he describes the, the animals in the wild and the beast in the uh, yeah, uh, stalls. Uh, and fish in the sea, and, and then he ends the psalm again as the, he began that, uh, pra praising God, O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is your name in all the world. God has put so much value on human being, and, and, and David realizes that. I am beautifully and, and wonderfully made. I am so precious in your eye. God, you are creator, creator. But he does not say, God, you are creator. He says, God, you created me. So sanctity of life, value of human life. And third, 
loving care of each one of us. Verses 16 uh, B, it says, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Everything happens in my life is planned by his loving care. As Jeremiah, David, uh, God tells through Jeremiah, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and future. Nothing that comes in our life that is not touched by his loving care, loving hand. God is, has put so much value. God loves us so much. Jesus said that the value of one soul is far greater than the whole world. If you gain the whole world and lose your soul, that is, you gain nothing. So that's how much God values. God is creator, but he has created me and I'm precious in his sight. I am valuable in his sight. And God is taking care of me in, in a wonderful, wonderful way, each one of us. And that is the blessings that God's omnis, uh, omnipotence is for us. And so principle number three, my life is in God's hand. I do not have to worry for anything. My life is in God's hand. I do not have to worry for anything. So three attributes that he talked about. God is omni, omniscient. God, my life is open book to you. I have nothing to hide. God is omnipresent. God is omnipresent. My life is, uh, God is with me. I do not have to be afraid of anything. And then God created me. My life is in God's hand. I do not have to worry for anything. So now, the fourth quarter, this is David's response. And this is every believer's response, should be. He says, if you have done this for me, what would I do, should I do for you? How should I respond? And he he doesn't say that very directly, but in a indirect way, but very clearly. He says, if only you, God, would slay the wicked. <laughs> if you read this um, first three quarters and come to this fourth quarter, you say, what, what does it mean? He just totally changed the subject. No, he's not. He's responding. He says, away from me who you who are bloodthirsty. And then he describes, they speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. But see, verse 21, this is what his decision is. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. You see, does that remind you something? 
Psalm 1. Remember? Blessed is the one who does not listen the counsel of the wicked or does not walk in the way of the sinners and does not sit in the company of the scoffers. By the way, a few weeks ago, we had someone on August, forget, August 18 something. And then two weeks later, Wayne had someone. So we had we already had double dose on that psalm. And we both presented in a slightly different ways, but the, the, the theme was the same. My title was The Life of Blessing We Choose, and uh, Wayne's title was The Road Less Travel, meaning we choose the road less travel. And that's what David is talking about. I would not do evil. I will hate evil and live my life totally, completely pleasing to you. If God, you are with, you know me, you are with me, you have created me and you are taking care of me, what is my response? I will live life totally pleasing to you. There is no thing that I would want to do that would bring you take away your joy or hurt your heart. I will live life that totally praising to you. And finally, he ends with a prayer. How? Uh, verses 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Taste me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in way everlasting. What is he saying? He already said that in verse 1. You search me, Lord, and you know me. And now he says, search me, Lord, <laughs> and know me. It's a similar word, it's the same thing. No, it's not the same thing. There is vast difference between the two. The first one is the fact, and the, la the verse 23 is a prayer. The first one, what he is saying is, Lord, you know me. But in verse 23, he is saying that, Lord, I don't know myself. You know me, but I don't know myself. I don't know if there is any evil in me. I don't know if there is a bitterness in me. I don't know if there is jealousy in me. I don't know if there is greed in me. I don't know if there is lust in me. In my thought life, sometimes, Father God, I may do things that I may not even know. But you dig down deep into my heart and, 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 and find out if there is See, he, want, he, he wants to make sure that there is no vestige of any smallest evil in his heart that is gone unnoticed. And that is his desire. And that is every believer's desire. Father, I do not want to have a slightest thing, even though I may not know. I do not want to have a slightest thing in my heart, in my life that would be unpleasing to you, that would be hurting your heart. And so, Father, you search me and, and, and let me know. 
test me and know my anxious thought and see if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. What is the way everlasting? Way everlasting, we have already received way everlasting at the point of coming to realize, coming to the faith in Jesus Christ. We are on the way, everlasting way. But as we walk on that everlasting way, we are getting closer and closer and closer to the Lord. And, and, and so that's what he's saying, that lead me on my everlasting way so that when I stand before you, going back to the very first point, uh, then I would have my open book and I can stand before you and say, Father, that my life is open book to you. And you already know I have, how I have lived and to be able to say that standing before the Lord would be the greatest pleasure, pleasure, greatest blessing. And so what this psalm is saying, God, my life is open book to you. I have nothing to hide. God, you are with me. I do not have to be afraid of anything. God, my life is in your hand. I do not have to worry for anything. And so, God, I will guard myself from evil. And the prayer is, God, search me and guard me from any sin and make my life totally pleasing to you. Father, thank you for your word. It clearly, clearly, clearly tells us who you are and what we should respond Thank you for the blessing of knowing and the blessing of doing your will and living life that is totally pleasing to you. Thank you for making it possible through your spirit and the strength and guidance we received through your word and through the times like this that we can spend together. Bless each one as we bring live life that is glorifying to you. In Jesus' name, amen.